0: Okay, we're live. All right, excellent. So welcome into fundraising now. My name is Alex Simon. I want to welcome in my guest, Hannah Brown, who is the director of communications and marketing at ActBlue, graduate of Boston University. Uh, For those unfamiliar with ActBlue, it is the premier online fundraising platform for democratic campaigns, progressive organizations and nonprofits working to create a better future, putting the power in the hands of the small donor. Um, and that is no doubt for sure. Um, ActBlue has secured many small donor donations over the past, um, well, for a long time now. But um, specifically, it feels like it's become more prominent in the past maybe four to five to six years, at least um, in the ether. Um, but um, I wanted to start at, about you and your background um you've been with act for a long time and uh, just talk to me about your start at ActBlue and and why uh you like it so much and um yeah just um your growth there
1: definitely um so i actually started act as an intern many moons ago i uh-huh. was in college, interested in sort of communications and marketing, and also politics was part of college Democrats, and was looking for sort of a way to meld those careers. I also was really interested in the time at campaign fi- in campaign finance reform. And Mm -hmm. ActBlue seems to really offer sort of an alternative model of what political fundraising and funding and politics could look like. So that was really exciting. And I think once I got there, there were about 10 people working at ActBlue at the time. Mm -hmm. So it was still very much the startup phase. And it was exciting Mm -hmm. to get to be a part of building something big. And then in terms of why I've stayed and why I've been interested, like you said, we've been sort of on a big growth path, especially the last Mm -hmm. few years. And I think... What's most exciting is to get to see sort of that change and how politics is able to be funded in a different way, actually take form and, and come into the mainstream.
0: Mm-hmm. So talk to me about those early years of ActBlue and, you know, I think the startup culture that you guys had and probably still have. And, you know, I think um, your probable desire to get, you um, you know, uh to unleash kind of the power of small donors. So just talk to me kind of about that and, and then the growth over your time there.
1: Sure. So we were founded in 2004, before my Uh time, by two computer scientists in Cambridge, Massachusetts, after a failed Cambridge City Council run by one of them. And they were looking to really leverage technology in the political process. And they set out to democratize the least democratic part of politics, which is fundraising. So we've been Mm -hmm. around since 2004. And I think in those early years, obviously, we sort of grew up around online shopping, too. People weren't really making is on the internet. So those early years were about convincing people that this was safe to do and a good idea to do. And then things started really taking off post post 2008, and I'd say even more so post 2012. So we've raised, helped organizations raise on our platform over $8 billion um, in our lifetime, with five of those being over the last two years. So definitely some excess exponential growth over the last couple of years we saw in the last two years the 2020 election cycle about 15 million unique donors give so just a huge Mm -hmm. mass of people power
0: Mm -hmm. and what are some of your guys you know principles and 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 values i mean it seems like um interacting with an ActBlue type of platform or landing page—it's very, very easy and simplified to donate. There's, it's, there's not a lot of friction that, at least I've had with, um, you know, other online giving forms. Is that something obviously that you guys value quite a bit?
1: Definitely. So our sort of informal tagline is ActBlue makes it easy, both for the campaigns and for the donors. On okay. the campaign and nonprofit side a lot of people are running for city council say and they're running as a candidate and organ and campaign of one they're their own campaign manager so we want to make sure the tools work for them all the way up to presidential level campaigns and then Mm -hmm. for donors giving a political donation is a high information transaction you have to type in your credit card you also have to give your employer an occupation sometimes you have to give more information depending on state laws and so that is both people place their trust in us and it's also just takes a long time so we want to make sure that we're optimized for mobile it's easy to give no matter where you are these past two years we saw about 60 percent of contributions come in via mobile so our our focus is on making it easy for everyone once the campaigns have done the hard work of organizing people to actually give to their
0: cause Mm -hmm. and why do you think you know um what's your strategic advantage or why do you think Campaigns have been going with ActBlue as opposed to other uh online payment forms. I mean, I mentioned like a PayPal, but like if there's a, I mean, we use in the nonprofit world, we there's a ton. And we I get calls from vendors and the nonprofit I work at from for online uh, credit card transactions all the time. But like why um why actblue for political campaigns and what's kind of like your guys strategic advantage you said you make it easy both for the donor and for the um, campaign or nonprofit or, or um, you know pro- progressive organization
1: definitely so I think there are a couple things so we offer PayPal we offer Apple pay Google pay as payment okay. methods People love to have those alternate payment methods other than credit cards. We still see PayPal as a huge percentage. We rolled out Apple Pay in 2016, and people went wild for that. And we just rolled uh-huh. out Google Pay. So I think that's an important piece. But more so even than that, so anyone can who uses our platform can use all of the tools we have. If you don't sign a contract to use ActBlue. If you're running a small campaign, you get access to the same tools as a big campaign. And because we don't sign those contracts and we don't have like add-ons for features, it means that when Mm. we find an efficiency or we increase conversion rates, we can roll that out to everyone right away. And so everyone gets smarter faster. Our tech Uh team is constantly A-B testing our platform, making sure we can increase conversion rates, decrease page load time, and just generally make it easier for people to give. I also think our nonprofit status makes us uniquely focused on our donors um, and our users, our campaigns and organizations. And more than anything, I think ActBlue Express, which is our save payment universe. So we about 13.5 million ActBlue Express users right now who gave to a campaign or organization on ActBlue, save their payment information with us. So say you gave to a Senate campaign and then you want to give to a city council race in your area, you can do that with one click. So it really just helps the whole ecosystem get better together.
0: Yeah. I, I mean, that's really, I think, um, just, um, smart. I think like the fact that act Blue has kind of said, okay, look, we have a donor they've given to a, a certain campaign, obviously, uh, this donor or this, these groups of donors are like-minded. So they've contributed here. There's definitely a strong uh, propensity or possibility for them to contribute into another area that we're, you know, partnering in. So I guess talk a little bit about um, collaboration and some of the data that you you capture you um, with your donors, which is really really interesting to me. And then you mentioned kind of A/B testing. So like I normally deal with um, fundraisers. So like these are people that usually make bigger bigger asks, you know, at, at like the major donor level. So what is like, I mean, you might, it might be common kind of verbiage for you, but what is A-B testing?
1: Sure, so it's um, yeah. in its simplest terms, just testing what a version A versus a version B. So uh-huh. the sort of the, the stereotypical examples, like what, what button color should be on the form. And I think there's wow. a lot more A-B tests that could happen, layout of uh-huh. form, you know, button size, things like that. Oftentimes wow. things like their size can make an impact if you have older donors. So um, just making sure that every piece of the form and every part of the process is optimized for people. And obviously we do part of that. We also encourage and lots of political campaigns do A-B test their messages, um, their images, things like that, the amounts that they're asking for.
0: Wow, so all of that kind of, all of that matters. Which I think is really interesting, and whether somebody's going to actually hit that, you know, final button for the the transaction to take place. Um, And then, yeah, talk a little bit about uh, like the collaboration that I was talking about between like organizations and and uh, political campaigns and stuff like that, and data. (laughs)
1: Sure. So, so when we work with a campaign or organization, they decide to use our platform. We have a team of folks who are helping them get set up on the platform. I think one of the best things about ActBlue is that it's pretty easy to use, even if you're not very technical, but if you have questions, we'll be helping you out. Um, In terms of data, campaigns and orgs are really the one who hold the relationship with the donor, not ActBlue, and campaigns Mm -hmm. data their own. But on our Mm -hmm. end, we try to make it easy for donors to sort of manage their account, see where they've given, manage Mm -hmm. their donations, give again to their favorite candidates. And then in terms of like best advice for retaining donors and stewarding donors um, Mm -hmm. with that data, I think it's really just to treat them with respect. We talk about building horizontal relationships with them. So that means having them be an integral part of your campaign rather than saying, give me $25 and I'm gonna go and spend it and win. It's invest $25 in this thing we're building together and then make that actually matter by doing things like breaking news to them. If you have a new policy that you're rolling out, maybe tell your grassroots donors first and make them feel like that donation and that campaign isn't possible without them.
0: Yeah, making them part of the campaign is super, super important. So um, talk to me a little bit about, um, we've got a few different questions. So. Um, it's no secret, obviously that 2020 was record year. You mentioned specifically over the past two years, there was kind of exponential growth. And then obviously you had a massive third quarter, um, that came out 1.5 billion raised in the third quarter. You had the biggest day ever 6.2 million after the passing of, um, beloved, beloved, uh, progressive and Supreme court justice, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, 2020 was a crazy year. Why, what are some reasons why do you think, um, you know, what are some reasons that uh, the possibility that you've seen such exponential growth, you know, small donors are coming out and making a statement that they want, you know, change and they're really investing into, you know, the democratic and progressive campaign. So um, what do you, why do you think that is?
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously people broadly want change. I think some of that's due to Donald Trump, but more broadly people want a society and a country that really works for all of us. And I think making a small dollar donation at its core is a civic action and people are looking to their communities and asking themselves, how can they have an impact? And I think small dollar fundraising really proved itself over the last few years. The impact Mm -hmm. that mega donors had over politics felt insurmountable for a time, but I think we've seen especially after the 2016 election and the 2018 election that you can run a small dollar campaign and you could win, you can raise enough to win. And more importantly, you can build a huge coalition of supporters through it. So people feel like their contribution really matters and that it can make an impact. And I think even when enthusiasm doesn't translate to immediate wins, it brings new people into the civic process and it opens new doors to a new generation of organizers and people who are excited to make change.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's been transformative. Um, I think back to, you know, four or five years ago, and it did seem fundraising uh, specifically just as a constituent, um, it seemed like um, there was definitely one side of each ticket that usually had um, more uh, money and thus would probably win the uh, election in the fall. And this, um, you know, ability for ActBlue to put it into the, the hands of the small donor um, has really been transformative. Um, I mean, it can't be understated. And I think, you know, the numbers aren't lying. You know, when you provide yeah. the people with this option, with these, with these tools, they do come out and they, they, they support um, their cause. And um, I, think, I think it's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, I'm biased, but I don't know, what do you think about, um, I feel like probably, but let me know if I'm wrong or if the data doesn't show this, but it feels like um, millennials have probably come out in large part uh, for um, some of these contributions. Um, Is that, do you find that to be true? Um, I just think that they're in their mid-careers they're kind of the biggest generation in the workforce and this obviously seems to be fitting right in with their kind of generation. Do you, um, first of all, do you find that to be true? And second of all, um, do you, why do you think uh, millennials are coming out in such huge numbers?
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we saw people of all ages come out much more than ever okay. before. So we definitely saw more millennials. I do think the small dollar donor movement as it is now is still driven by older folks. So people in their 50s, 60s, 70s are really sort of the backbone of this movement. And I definitely think on Twitter and the internet more broadly, certainly I run our social media team as well, like I, Mm. I definitely see the millennials on Twitter. Um, but I think that's not quite what the data says at this point, okay. but I do think millennials, especially millennials of color are really facing the impacts of a system that doesn't work for all of us. And so they're seeing the effects of income inequality, thinking about climate change in their futures, inequi- inequity when it comes to healthcare access. So I think millennials specifically are really looking to invest in a better future. And that's what we we really hear from them when we talk to them.
0: Okay. When you say um, uh, maybe the older generation uh, giving, are you talking about in size of, size of contribution or just number of donors or both?
1: No, just number of donors, number of donors, really. So our, Average contribution size across the platforms thirty five dollars, which is pretty standard across all age brackets. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this is sort of in line with voting patterns. Older people tend to, to vote more than mm-hmm. younger people, and and we see sort of like civic participation. They might also have a little more time on their hands, a little little more money on their hands, um, yeah. but like we've definitely seen a lot of growth from from all aspects. And it depends on the campaign. If you have a younger person running for office, you might have a a higher percentage of millennial donors.
0: Hmm. Okay. Um, All right. Excellent. Um, so obviously with 2020, with the exponential growth and some of the, um, you know, the, the, um, uh, first time donors, um, you mentioned a little bit about this, but I think, you know, obviously with, um, I think a change in, in, uh, politically and at the national level, um, and, you know, um, by, by all means, none of, I think some of what the, uh, progressive causes and the, and the democratic, um, side of the ticket wants to be is complete, but, Um, is this sustainable, um, this type of fundraising and, um, do you expect to, you know, probably have a down year, um, in 2021 and, and how do you kind of retain these, these numbers?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's a great question. So for years and years, people have said that there's a ceiling to the number of people who would ever give to a Democrat. And year after year, we've seen that ceiling doesn't exist. Obviously, there are only so many people who live in the United States. Um, so there's a ceiling eventually. But I think the larger point is that there's still plenty of people left to mobilize, like millennials we were talking about. I think there's plenty of millennials else who could give um, and maybe aren't yet. And for charitable giving, I think that's there's even less of a ceiling. So I think what's important to know there is that it's not smart to classify who will or won't give a small dollar donation or who can or can't give to a cause, because those assumptions really cut out the people you actually uh, who actually might want the change the most. So I think when you really shift your mindset to valuing a $3 donation, you truly actually care about that $3 donation people feel that and they're more likely to actually to donate and maybe they'll get $25 when they can and bring in um become a part of your campaign because they know it matters to you I think as far as what we're expecting in the next two years politics works in cycles for sure so there's obviously an flow, new campaigns, new causes, people who are exciting to donors, people who aren't. Um, But once people start giving, they do tend to give again. So nearly 60% of donors over the last two years, and there were 15 million donors, um, gave more than once. And at its core, I think digital Mm -hmm. fundraising is really about relationship building. So if you're building a good relationship, you shouldn't abandon that after the election, especially if you've won your election. So I do think we'll see lots of people coming back to give over the next two years, lots of people coming off the benches, but it was, it was a pretty big presidential election year. So, so obviously we're in a bit of a cycle there.
0: Yeah, for sure. Well, you've, you've done an excellent job. You guys in ActBlue have done an excellent job. Congratulations on that, um, on that growth. Um, so as I mentioned, kind of before we, we went, we recorded a lot of my colleagues, my audience, I think the people that engage with with the podcast are, um, you know, traditional fundraisers specifically really in the higher education space, but also in, you know, traditional nonprofit areas. Um, make your case. Why, why would someone, why would a nonprofit maybe leave, leave who they're with? currently as far as their online donations and go with like an ActBlue?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's a great question. I think we're really easy to use. We integrate with tools. Uh, We play well with other tools. So we try to make it easy in every aspect. And I think we try to make it like a delightful experience for donors. It is really easy to give. We hear people really excited about Apple Pay. Uh, We make it easy to design your form, have it look really slick. Um, so it's just really simple and easy, and like I said before, there's no contracts uh, to work with us. So you can always test it out, see if it works better than what you've done before. We've never lost a head-to-head A/B test against another platform that we know of. Wow. So we really stand behind the tools, and you know, obviously, just mobilized millions of donors. So you can have access to all those same things. And I think grassroots fundraising, at its core, can really revolutionize the way charities fundraise, whether it's just to add an additional source of revenue from grassroots donors that you can depend on no matter what, or you want to really invest um, in a grassroots program. It can help turn your supporters to even closer uh, members and help them really feel invested in your cause. And I think 2020 also just showed how important digital fundraising is like when in-person yeah. events went away. So we're mm-hmm. definitely digital first. And so always happy to help um, strategize with you.
0: Awesome. Okay, so final question is, what is next as far as ActBlue goes? Is any new um, collaborations, um, parts of the uh, building on the product, um, anything new unfolding in, uh, in the next few years?
1: yeah so we're not quite done with 2020 yet with the georgia so it's been exciting to see organizing groups uh local groups in georgia like fair fight and new georgia project and everything they've been able to do so we're still sort of wrapping up beyond that i think people are excited for 2022 and to keep sort of imagining what digital organizing and digital fundraising looks like in our futures i don't think any sort of big answers to that question yet um but we we exist as infrastructure. So while campaigns might come and go, we exist forever. So we'll be in the background, AB testing, innovating, um, <laughs> all year round, um, and really figuring out what the movement needs out of their tools and out of us.
0: Awesome. Hannah Brown director of communication and marketing at act blue. Uh, thank you so much for, our, for being on with me. I appreciate your time and, um, Yeah. Thank you.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: All right. Don't forget to subscribe down below. You can also find additional content by searching the YouTube page. And finally, you can follow me on social media for all things relating to FRN Fundraise Now linked below. Have an awesome day.